What's on display today? It's 1937 and the Explorer Society is hard at work to recover the secrets of a lost civilization. The island is riddled with clues, puzzles, and obstacles, all guarded by four mysterious spirits. Can you beat the challenges, solve the riddles, and find the long-lost treasure of knowledge? Join our hosts as they explore Adventure in the Valley of the Unknown at Kosai in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to On Display Podcast, the podcast in which we explore the design, construction, and operation of exhibits and attractions at museums, theme parks, zoos, and beyond, and celebrate what makes them special to the visitor experience. I am your host, Nicole. I look forward to having you along with me on the special behind-the-behind-the-scenes journey. Today is February 25th, 2017. Before we begin exploring Adventure in the Valley of the Unknown, I'd like to say a few announcements. On March 10th, On Display Podcast will go back in time with COSI staff to relive Adventure's beginnings. We talk about the inspiration for the exhibit, the reasoning behind it, and how the crew persevered to bring it all together. Check out our YouTube account! The first episode of Legends of the Wild has been uploaded showing the exhibit area in beautiful full-color photographs and videos, and accompanied by English subtitles. All future episodes will be uploaded in this manner as they are released. There will also be new content added to the channel. This week will feature a tribute video in which members of the Explorer Society share their favorite moments about adventure in the Valley of the Unknown as well as an exclusive interview with Will Smith, the brilliant mind behind another wave of puzzles that, sadly, were never added to adventure. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on any future content. If you have an announcement you would like to share, please contact me at ondisplaypodcast at gmail.com. Kosai originally opened in 1964. Its name stands for the Center of Science and Industry. In 1999, the Science Center was moved to its new location on the banks of the Scioto River in downtown Columbus in a building designed by world-renowned architect Arata Isozaki. Adventure in the Valley of the Unknown was one of the attractions that opened alongside the new building. It was designed both in-house and by Roto Entertainment out of Dublin, Ohio, just north of downtown Columbus. While it first opened in 1999, Adventure was closed temporarily in 2004 due to budget constraints, reopened in 2010, but then closed permanently on January 1st, 2017 in order to make way for a new dinosaur exhibition in partnership with the American Museum of Natural History. 
Sometimes compared to the popular point-and-click adventure game, Myst, this fully immersive exhibit feels almost more like a movie set than it does a science center. The space looks like temple ruins at night, complete with the Maze of Reason, the Temple of Inspiration, the Caverns of Perseverance, the Well of Questions, the Observatory of Knowledge, and the King's Tomb. The well and the tomb have no bearing on the story or the puzzles, but give the island an interesting flavor, and creates a new level of immersion for the guest. Visitors must solve a combination of physical challenges, riddles, and scientific experiments to find the clues to awaken the four spirits that guard the island. There are two levels of puzzles to challenge visitors in adventure. The first level takes under an hour to complete, while the second can take many days and requires multiple visits. In the first level, the visitors are introduced to the four spirits, Palunk, the spirit of questions, Tempoa, the spirit of perseverance, Brazoa, the spirit of reason, and Lalala, the spirit of inspiration. Palank has taken temporary residence inside the base camp, where Eva Snodgrass, the leader of the Explorer Society and recently deceased, has been leading a scientific expedition to explore the island. Upon awaking Palank using clues Eva left behind, it is revealed to the visitor that there is a lost treasure of knowledge somewhere on the island. Palunk then directs the visitor to visit the other spirits to get their clues to find the location of the lost treasure. The level 1 puzzles are pretty simple. The visitor must make his or her way through the maze of reason to waken Brazoa. They must use intuition and observation to wake up Lalala at the Temple of Inspiration. And the physical challenges encourage the visitor to persevere in the Caverns of Perseverance, where Tempoa presides. Throughout the exhibit, one can find journal pages and notes left behind by Eva's team. Most of these contain important clues the visitor needs to solve the puzzles. Also throughout the exhibit area are docents dressed in period costume each with his or her own unique character and personality. They represent a multi-international team of scientists that have been brought together to uncover the island's secrets under Eva Snodgrass's leadership. They rarely give the visitors the answers directly, but are more than willing to help in tough situations. The spirits are awakened by a series of three animal glyphs located on shrines beside the statues. When the spirits are awakened, they sing a song, give the visitors a new glyph, and send them on their way to the other spirits. Once all four alphabet glyphs have been collected, the visitor then goes to the observatory, where they put in these four glyphs and awaken the spirits one more time. The spirits congratulate the visitor on working through the puzzles and using the scientific method to solve them. Right outside the observatory is a stella with the same alphabet used to awaken the spirits, only this time it tells a story. This begins level two. 
The visitor uses the stella to decode the alphabet and read the inscriptions in the Temple of Inspiration, where the story of the goddess Oanoa is told. Oanoa was wrathful and grew angry with the people. She then sent a great cataclysm, a volcanic eruption, to wipe them out. Using the alphabet and the story, the visitors are given three new glyphs to awaken Lilala. This time, instead of singing a song, she gives the player a spell to lift the curse that surrounds the treasure of knowledge. From the temple, visitors go to the Maze of Reason to decode a second, harder alphabet. And using this alphabet solves a series of puzzles that are carved into the floor of the exhibit. The alphabet also tells a second story about a brilliant man named Narab and a mad monkey. Mad in this case meaning crazy because he stole Brazoa's brass horn and played it. Narab saved the people and gave them hope. Using the story of Narab and the monkey after decoding the puzzles on the floor, Brazoa then gives the player the location of the key to the vault that hides the treasure of knowledge. From the maze, visitors then go to the Caverns of Perseverance to solve a mathematical equation to get those three animal glyphs, and from there awaken the spirit of Tempoa. There is a small side story here that talks about a man without a name because he hoarded knowledge and was cast out for it. There are also hints at a tale about a king named Simon and how he was revered by the people. Tempoa gives the players the final piece they need, the location of the vault itself. Once these three clues have been deciphered, the players then enter the gates of doom, open the hidden vault in the mouth of the skull. They find a coin and a letter. If you want to find out more of what the coin and the letter mean, keep listening as my friend Colleen and I reminisce about how we solved the exhibit and what finding that prize meant to us. You are about to hear a conversation that was recorded over Skype. While I have done my best to edit and clean it up, you may still hear some things in the background. Thank you for understanding. Hi everybody! I am here with my friend Colleen and we're going to talk to you about adventure in the Valley of the Unknown at Kosai. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi guys, I'm Colleen. I'm Nicole's best friend in the entire world. Basically, I've been a fan of Kosai since I can remember because I'm Columbus homegrown, you know, so it's always been a place that I've enjoyed going and exploring. Yeah. All right. So how long were you working on adventure? Well, let's see. Um, I remember one time in college, I was with my roommate and her friend, and we three worked on it. We actually finished level one. So that was probably six years ago, maybe. I like got like we finished level one and I was like, wait, there's a level two? What? (laughs) And so by the time we finished level one, we had to go. So I didn't even have a chance to work on it. But it was always one of those things where I was like, you know, that'd be cool to go back and finish. But it took me a few years to get around to level two, (laughs) to starting that whole ordeal. I'd only been working on it 
three or four years off and on. We're pretty much experts, though. Uh, <laughs> if you want to say that, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Do you remember the first time you walked into that space and saw it? Um, like, wh- what was it like for you? For me, I was, like, blown away walking into this space. And the way it's set up, it looks like a tropical island at night with these ruins. And Well, the first time I saw it versus the first time I actually was there to, like, participate in it and actually follow through with it are different events. But um, <laughs> I remember I was eight years old when I first saw it, but I didn't actually get to explore. It was first night Columbus, so that's, like, the event that Columbus has every New Year's Eve. And then COSI will be open from 6 to 11 o'clock New Year's Eve. And you can just go if you paid to go to first night Columbus. I would always do that with my parents and I would always enjoy going to COSI with them. That was one of the things that we always did every New Year's Eve when I was a kid. I remember, I think it was 1999 to 2000, so that was my turn of the century, you know, millennium, <laughs> millennium celebration. But um, I think we just walked in there. We heard the docents spiel about the story of the island, everything. I, I was there for that, but it kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was still a little kid then. It was a little chaotic and I was a child, so I don't well, remember a whole lot. But How about when you went back with your roommate when you walked into the space? Right. It's so like weird, though, because you go from being like, Kosai is a very, it has sort of like an industrial museum feel, like bright lights and there's a lot of people around and then you <clears throat> you walk into adventure and it's all dim and there's this there aren't just flat walls anymore. It's rocks and the people that work in there are dressed up like period clothing and it's definitely immersive. It's fun though because you get to forget about like whatever you're doing the day before and put yourself into this situation. It's fun. It took you to another world really is what it did. I would agree definitely. <laughs> like it's almost like you physically got into a time machine or like a TARDIS, I guess, because you went across time and space. They never really said where the island was, did they? Hmm. I don't think so. I guess, like, you kind of inferred it was tropical. I mean, it wasn't freezing when you walked in there. There was right. that much going for you. Well, and it does refer to the volcano, I guess, was in the area, too. So that kind of... Well, I mean, Iceland has volcanoes, too, and it's not tropical. I guess that's true. I feel like there's sand, though. There's a lot of sand. <laughs> but again. There was a whole pit full of sand. <laughs> For sure. Just just mostly rocks and sand. It was mostly rocks and sand. Uh, I guess that's what you get in a temple ruin, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, it was at night. There was very dim lighting. Very dim. One time, the two of us were working on this on the maze puzzle with a handful of others and the emergency lights came on and nobody moved for a couple minutes until one of the staff came and kicked us out and we came back after the alarms quit sounding and we're like oh this is gonna be so much easier to see everything because the lights are on and it it wasn't so the dim lighting was definitely important (laughs) yeah the flickering Lights, it definitely made you feel like you were not in the United States anymore. (laughs) Yeah. 
And then the another huge aspect of the island was the alphabet. And there were actually two alphabets that were inscribed on the walls that told the story of the island. The first alphabet was pretty easy to decipher, wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> Especially compared to the second level language. Two. Oh man. Yep. The first language it was pretty much just the English letter equivalent with the island equivalent. And it got to a point where you didn't even have to look at it anymore. You could read it pretty fluently. The second language was a bunch of triangles that were in the middle of a line and were mm-hmm. read right to left. Mm-hmm. And not all of them were letters. Some of them were sounds. And then the second language told the story of the mad monkey. And Colleen and I hate this monkey. So much. This monkey haunted our every step the whole time we were in the maze. Probably the worst part of that maze. And we needed that darn monkey to solve the puzzle. Too many tales. There are too many tales. The cave. The caverns of perseverance. Yes. Yes, the caverns. And there was another kind of language in there, but it was a language of numbers. And our other friend Diana was the one who cracked that, and it's a good thing she did, because we would have been there a lot longer than we were. I was just, like, having flashbacks of, like, <laughs> elementary school math, like... <laughs> you you do need this math when you graduate to solve riddles. No, you can't just say that you don't ever use math ever again, because you do. You never know when. You never know. And luckily, there are staff there, the volunteers who are incredibly helpful. They have their own personalities. They make their own characters. There's a biologist. There's a mechanic. We were actually given the key to the final part by a chef. That was really cute. I think that's good because it shows that Kosai wants the guests to be immersed and to be interactive. And in having that tangible human presence, it draws you in and makes you feel part of the exhibit i mean you might not be wearing a period dress or an indiana jones hat but you still feel like you're part of the group and that you're accomplishing something well you first started out in a tent where the explorer society was set up and you find out that eva snodgrass had passed away may she rest in pieces and she found out about these spirits on the island And it's up to you, the guest, as an explorer, to awaken all the spirits on the island and find the lost treasure of knowledge. You had the maze of reason, which you and I spent a lot of time in. And I think we both hate with a passion that burns bright. Oh, I know I do. (laughs) It got to the point where I dreaded going to that that darn maze. Sorry. We're We're trying to keep this family friendly. There was the Temple of Inspiration with Lalala, the spirit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And you could hear her throughout the entire exhibit. It didn't matter where you were. You could hear her singing. Because all the spirits had songs. I don't think that's ever going to leave my mind. <laughs> it's just burned into my brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Be inspired. No. Use your imagination. And then the spirit of perseverance was hidden in the capes, and that was Tempoa. And he sounded like Yoda. Indeed. He, he yeah. He had a very gravelly, froggy voice. 
Yeah, it was like a cross between Kermit the Frog and Yoda. And then the observatory where you went at the end mm-hmm. of the first level and you got another song and dance. Right. <laughs> there was a lot of singing and dancing. But we miss... They mean a lot now, I think. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it is meant for children, so you kind of have to have that aspect of entertainment, I guess. <laughs> keep their Keep their attention span. And in the first level, they would give you a letter in the island's alphabet, and you had to write it down. And when you went to the observatory, instead of the animals, it was the alphabet you had to put in. And they would sing about congratulating you on getting to the observatory. And I just feel like they were taking home the fact that you did this, you solved this, now you can (laughs) take that and apply it. And then level two. Logic and reason stuff. Yeah. Level two, you solve the stories, the spirits themselves give you clues, you work really hard to solve the mathematical equations and the alphabets, and you find the key in the Gates of Doom, and you open the box, and you find a letter, and you find a medallion. And this is where it really hits home. The medallion on one side has the spirits and the word seek, which is the first word you use to start level two. On the other side, someone told me later, is the same design that was sent on one of the Voyager satellites, and it's supposed to represent humanity. The letter is from, I believe it's the King Simon. It's not signed. You're missing the bottom portion of the letter. It's torn off. But it's talking about how he found this coin and he's going to travel through time to find it. And that's when you realize you're part of the story. And it's an amazing feeling. One, you've solved this puzzle that you've been working on for hours and hours. And you really, you get to continue the story. Except in our case, we ended the story, which was very bittersweet. But it was definitely worth it in the end. Yeah. And I was definitely sad when we, when we finally got there. It was bittersweet because I was really glad that we were actually able to finish it and figure it out before the end. But half of adventure is your experience as much as it is the design of the exhibit when you're doing an adventure it's not like you're doing homework where you're like oh i have to do this to learn it's like since you're experiencing it and it's so encompassing and immersive you are kind of growing and you don't even realize it and it created a community there's the explorer society facebook group this group of nerds essentially that would help each other out and the last night that adventure was open we rented the space and we had i think they said 90 people that were there that night and that's not even everybody on the facebook group it brought all these people together from all over the country and uh some of the fans are talking about getting together 
there's a couple software developer types that are talking about making a virtual version and someone I believe mentioned writing a spin-off book which should be really nice. So its spirit lives on and the only other attractions I could think that have that level of dedication and patron loyalty are really Disney attractions. And for a little science center in the middle of Ohio, I think that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. Thank you very much for joining me, Colleen. You're very welcome. (laughs) It was nice to remember this one more time. And I hope our listeners got a sense of what made this special and why we fell in love with it. It was great to have this conversation. It was nice reminiscing. Goodbye. I would like to extend a personal, sincere thank you to Colleen for rolling with me and for sharing what made Adventure special to us. While Adventure is no longer at COSI, there are still many awesome exhibits and events to see there. The planetarium at IMAX shows, time travel, deep sea exploration, you can do all of this and more. To plan your visit to COSI, check out their website at COSI.org. That is C-O-S-I dot org. Join me again on March 10th when I speak to COSI staff about what it took to bring adventure in the Valley of the Unknown to life. We talk about movies, creating characters, and if Frank Oz really was the voice behind Tempoa, the spirit of perseverance. Keep in touch with On Display Podcast through our social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and on YouTube. You can also feel free to contact me directly through my email at ondisplaypodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to help On Display Podcast, please consider leaving a review or comments on the episodes. I truly appreciate all constructive criticism because I want to make On Display Podcast the best listening experience I can for you. I am your host, Nicole. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope to see you again soon on On Display Podcast.